Hello, this is Ed Cohen, editor of Global HR News, and you're a broadcast host of Global Radio, talkshow.com, broadcast service of Global HR News and globalbusinessnews.net. Very special guest today is Mary Lou Pondique. She's the founder of MPK Associates, which is a talent and human resources consultancy launched after an illustrious career working at companies such as American Express and Benetton. Cannon, J.P. Morgan. Her experience has spanned diverse industries such as manufacturing, healthcare, consumer goods, technology, and of course, financial services. Her focus has been and still is in career coaching and human resources management. And this includes training in business management skills and languages and global mindset. She's multilingual, English, French, Spanish, Italian, and she consults, as you might suspect, for a wide variety of firms today. Mary Lou is also a published author. The book is called Powering Up Your Inner Brand, and it's about personal branding, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Let's say hello and welcome to Mary Lou. Hello. Hello, Ed. How are you? Just great. Thank you so much for calling in. So you're in the Tampa area in Florida, and I'm here in San Diego. What's going on in Tampa? Well, it's a beautiful city, as you can imagine, between Tampa, St. Pete. We've also got Sarasota nearby. And actually, there's a lot of industry in this area growing. In fact, there's a large tech component growing in Pinellas County in the uh, Clearwater area. A lot of companies uh, years ago came here, financial services, to do some back office work, but it's blossomed from there. And we have healthcare companies manufacturers, a wide range. Thank you so much for that overview of the area. Haven't been in Tampa in many, many years and look forward to someday coming back in. So we're going to talk about international assignments and challenges and expats. And we're going to talk about talent management. And, you know, all of this is about the new generation, of course, and multi-generations and multicultures within the workforce today, and all the issues and opportunities that come with that. And then we're also going to be talking about branding and how it relates to company culture, but also personal branding and what does that mean. And so let's talk first about international assignments today and the challenges faced by expats. Okay, so give us a quickie here. Yes. What are the most important challenges in your view, in your experience? Well, statistics are in. You're talking 70 to 80% of employees are not willing to relocate because of partner employment issues. So it's a big issue. And that could be for various reasons. It could be because the partner is already working in their career and doesn't want to let's say, miss out on opportunities by relocating to another country. It could be that they're raising a family and worrying about getting to a new location and feeling isolated from friends and family in that new location, struggling to learn a language. As someone who's managed global mobility on the inside of a corporation, I'm seeing now firsthand the challenges that a family goes through. Both partners uh, suffer in this uh, match because let's say the one is an executive. Sure, they have a job, but 
they may be coming home at night to a very unhappy spouse. And that spouse is male or female. So we have a lot of female executives being relocated. And now here you have typically the male sort of breadwinner who's now having to figure out how they can be relevant in a new country and what does that do to their career? They may miss out on opportunities they would have gotten had they stayed at home. So big challenge these days. So to what extent does the employer take responsibility? So what's great is that many employers recognize this because after all, these assignments are very important to the company. They, they need that expertise. They need to transfer that person, but they need it to be successful. There's a lot of money involved here in an expatriation assignment, and for it to fail just means the company's kind of in a bad situation. So they've realized that, and they hire uh, third-party firms to assist those relocated partners and help them get acclimated to the new location, cross-cultural training, integration training, and even job search assistance so that someone might be helping that person get established, continue their career. You might have to research opportunities or teach them about networking in the U.S. or how you build a, a CV or a resume in the U.S. that might be different from another country. All of those things, very important to these folks. So I'm not looking to put you on the spot or to say anything bad about anybody or anything, but <laughs> this is a very sensitive personal issue, and yet the company reluctantly is getting involved in things like this. And I know some companies are really reluctant about this, and some people, transferees, are reluctant to talk personal to the company. So how do they view you? Now, you're an in independent contractor, but do they think you're spying on them, reporting to the company? No, I don't think so. First of all, we go to great lengths to assure them that anything they're sharing with us is confidential. And it really is. We take that quite seriously, especially in these days of GDPR. It's so important to build the trust with that individual and let them know that you're there to assist them in any way possible. And sometimes I have to say with these millennial transferees, medium of doing this might be quite different. Whereas in the old days, I'm sending an email, setting up an appointment. We have a set appointment on Skype. Nowadays, I'm getting texts, which might be at any hour of the day. I might have to talk to them on WhatsApp because they don't even have Skype. So I really had to change the way that I'm delivering the services to meet the needs of this younger generation. But I mean, it's great because in a way, it's very immediate. Someone will say, you know, are you busy now? And, and sometimes I'm not, but sometimes I am. But if I'm not, you know, I'm gonna pick up the phone and speak to them or go on WhatsApp and have a conversation. Maybe they're filling out a form online and they need some assistance filling out that form. I'm gonna do that with them. On demand, yep. Okay. so. It's just not millennials that are being relocated now. They're no, no. Some boomers because they have experience and they don't have such needs as younger yeah. people and they're very possibly more stable, quote unquote stable. Are you seeing that, that, uh, you know, companies are getting alumni to come back in or take an assignment yeah. to help out? 
Yes, I am. And I've seen cases where I have a fairly senior person. I had a woman from France, very senior in the food industry and research and development. So her spouse was relocated. And in her new area, it was difficult to continue in her former role in the food industry. We were looking into different opportunities. And she finally decided that she was going to make a change in what she did and became a coach. She went and took a program to become a coach and get certified. She completely changed her career. She has the richness of her management experience throughout the years, and now this new skill to add. So let's say she went back to France. She could probably continue in the food industry, but she could also be a coach. And this is something that could come in quite handy in her future. Or even if she continues in the same industry, she would have that many more skills to offer a potential employer. So to what extent do you work with kids? I'm not really working very much with the children. I mean, I might assist them in finding services for the children, but for the most part, I'm not dealing directly with them. I have had cases where I'm assisting someone in finding a doctor or urgent care in their area. I had someone who was in a remote location of the U.S. who just wanted a fresh market, and I had to research a fresh market that she could go to to buy vegetables because she felt, you know, she didn't want to buy what was in the supermarket. She felt it wasn't fresh enough. So it's amazing the kinds of requests you might get from these individuals. And you have to kind of be ready to tune into what exactly are their needs and how can you assist them. So many of the dual career situations cause a failure or premature assignment and and causes many times marital problems. So to, to, to what ex- so to what extent is there a referral to a psychologist or a counselor, not in your employee, but just someone who you know? Do you ever get involved in that kind of thing on a special request? What I would do if I were requested to provide some referrals is I might research what's available to them locally and perhaps send them a list. I am not a therapist and don't pretend to want to offer guidance in that regard. But there are times when I'm aware that there might be some issues going on within the couple and and there's a challenge for them. But we're careful not to go beyond the scope of what we're expected to provide, even though we're often that listening ear, uh, you know, whether in person or by Skype or on the phone where we can listen to them, talk about their situation and some of the frustrations that they're having. After all, we're human. I think that that is comforting to them that they know someone is listening to them and might be able to refer them to someone if they needed it. So when this is offered, I would think, and you're the expert because you're right there on the grounds, I would think that the job performance and productivity of the assignee Absolutely. is enhanced. And in fact, that's, I think, the key to companies offering these kinds of services, they know, you know, the old expression was happy wife, happy life, but it really is also, you know, happy spouse. It goes both ways. It's very important for the person to have that contentment in their home life and not have to be faced with additional challenges, even as they're getting used to their new work environment. I recently had a gentleman who 
Now, this was a very experienced plant manager for an automotive parts manufacturer, an international one. This man had worked in China. He had also worked in Mexico and now was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and needed the sort of cultural integration training for both he and his spouse, just to make sure that they were aware of everything they needed to do locally to adapt to their new environment. Very senior individual, and obviously someone who is culturally sensitive. He's been able to work in a variety of environments and be successful for his firm. So the risks of employee mobility whether it's business travel or relocation assignments, are now impacting or being impacted by diversity and inclusion expansion. And so someone who's been in senior levels as a country manager or regional exec goes into an executive job in a place like Tuscaloosa, which is Mm -hmm. way different than, say, Spain, Germany, or Romania, or Mexico City, and then goes into that part of USA, that would be an amazing challenge, I would think. Yes, and I have to say, I give kudos to the spouse in this case, and she was actually getting involved with some cultural organizations locally, you know, reaching out. So I thought, boy, this is an amazing woman that she's raised children in China. She's lived in Mexico and now here she is in Alabama, but she's just getting right in there. So in some ways, I think these folks, uh, they're a special breed of person. They're able to make those changes and adapt to the different environments that they go into. And I would imagine that that's a trait you're going to look for in someone that you send on assignments. Well, if you know what to look for, there's a tell. (laughs) Yes, that's true. We're going to talk about your book, Powering Up, Your Inner Brand Yourself, uh, because Mm -hmm. this certainly relates to what you just said. So I want to circle back to that later. So I want to move on and then come back to a couple of case studies, because it's where the rubber meets the road, to use that colloquialism. You're right on the ground level, face-to-face, with key people, key situations. And it's almost like a make or break situation. Not that you have direct influence, but you're right there as a coach. And so this is extremely valuable insight and information, particularly for the new generation of managers of company relocations and how that could relate to talent acquisition and deployment, learning and development. So we'll come back to that, but it's a good lead into our next segment here called talent management, whatever that means these days. So (laughs) what does talent management mean to you? I mean, you can write a book on this, I know. Why don't you just give us 60 seconds? What does talent management mean to you in today's world we live in? Well, I think on the inside of a corporation, it's having people with the right skill sets to meet the needs of what the company is trying to accomplish. And then on the outside, it's the individual being able to offer to the company the skills that the companies are looking for. And that might mean that maybe they were doing something in a field for many years and they've come to a point in their career where they realize maybe they've been laid off, in some cases they have been, that they've got to develop a new skill set in order to stay relevant in the current environment 
or maybe they have to do things a different way, almost reinventing themselves. I've seen this a lot with the people who have experienced transition. Okay, I did really well, but for whatever reason, you know, the company uh, has said goodbye to me. I need to pick up the pieces and figure out where I could be relevant in a new environment. And that might take getting new skills. It might mean researching what other industries they could leverage their skills into. It may mean consulting for them or contract work. But what I see is that the more that they can be flexible as to how they apply what they've learned all through the years and what they can now learn to be even more relevant, all of that continues to their success in a new environment. And it's funny because sometimes I've seen cases where a person is really just, oh, my God, what am I going to do next? And they're very worried. I had one gentleman who said, you know, I can't sleep at night. He was just panicked about this. And yet he was able to find three different job offers. He obviously had good skills that he was able to leverage into new environments. But that's a challenge, but it's definitely a key attribute that someone needs to have. And don't look at it as to, well, what I did before, I'll just keep doing the same thing. No, you might have to do it in a whole different way and be open to that. So when it comes to powering up your book, it's about personal branding. So that leads right into what we're just talking about, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does. And it's funny because I wrote that book when I was in HR on the corporate side, but I wrote it little by little. I was writing articles for examiner.com on personal branding for the Miami area. I was the personal brand examiner. I kind of fell in love with personal branding through creating corporate brands for some of the companies that I'd worked for. I was fascinated with the idea of a person can also have a brand just like a company has a brand. Why not? And so with that, I wrote for six years for examiner.com, having to crank out articles every week or so. And after a while, I started to have quite a volume of articles that were talking just about that and sort of taking people who were in the public eye, like a Richard Branson or a Malala, and talking about how they had a brand, but what could you do to have a brand that's your own brand? Obviously, you're not going to have their brand. How could you create your own brand with what you've done? And so my approach was very personal, I guess you could say. So I'm writing this while I'm a corporate person and not realizing that later on, it would be very relevant to what I'm doing on the coaching side, because the people that I'm coaching do have to think about their personal brand as they go out there to look for a job, either in a new country or after they've been laid off from a company and have to find a new career for themselves. So I've got two questions, but spinning (laughs) off of this, when it comes to Going back to what you said about employee self-management when they're on assignment, either as the employee or the accompanying partner, spouse, and the personal brand, I mean, who am I? What am I supposed to do? I don't have a job anymore, let's just say that. And how am I going to make any money? And who am I? And I don't want to become an alcoholic (laughs) or an addict or anything. (laughs) And yet I don't know what to do with myself. You know, certainly... I can go to museums, but that doesn't really turn me on. No. And so how do you do this? I mean, how do you survive? 
I think that each person takes it in a very different way. And that's pretty much what you see is each individual reacts very differently. Some of them, you know, they're spending a lot of time alone because the employed spouse is traveling all over the place. And so they have to figure out a way to make things work for themselves. They might be home with children or they might have had a very senior oil and gas career that now they have to reinvent in the U.S. How do they go about doing that? I mean, one thing, of course, is networking. So I, of course, encourage them, give them tips find places that they can go and do networking. It takes a lot of think through and also a lot of fortitude on the part of this individual. It's not easy. I had one gentleman who was in an area where there wasn't so much venture capital work that he had been used to in Europe. And here he was, and his wife was very successful with this company. And he was working in a financial capacity in a senior role, but it wasn't the venture capital that he loved. And we did all kinds of things to get him introduced to people, but there just wasn't that much going on. And at one point he said to me, and I felt, I was very moved by what he said. He said, you know, I'm not working the hours I used to work and I'm not doing the things I used to do, but I'm all right with it. My wife is very happy and my daughter is living a different kind of life. I know this will give her opportunities in the future. And I'm getting to spend more time with her than I ever did before. So right now, this is okay for me. And that was just amazing. I felt uh, he realized that he wasn't going to get exactly to do the things he had done before, but he was able to enjoy the experience he was living with his family at this time. Wow, amazing. smart guy. Yes, yes. And I've seen that more than once where the person makes a sacrifice in some ways. They may not be as successful as they were in the past. I had one fellow, again, from Europe. So he's coming again. It's his spouse who was relocated. And he actually was questioned by some recruiters as to, well, if your wife moves again, are you going to follow her again? Almost like talking down to him as if, you know, this was something bad that he did, where it's funny is that the two of them had both gone to B-school, and the first assignment was in Germany, where he was the one relocated executive, and she came along. So they were kind of, you know, taking turns. Now, this time, it was her, and so he was coming along. He didn't think there was anything wrong with it, which I love, because he's a young person, a millennial. He didn't see an issue with it. And wonderful enough, he did find a very senior job with a very well-known organization running Latin America. So it actually worked out quite well. Thanks for sharing all that. That's really important. Let's talk a little bit about the brand as part of culture. So, okay, personal culture, whatever that means. But let's think about the employer brand. And so what does that mean? And relative to relocation, people on on an international assignment. Let me just uh, set it up a little bit, and I'd like you to comment if if you would. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the company has a brand, a marketing communications manager, or an ad agency that takes care of this, or they're spending a fortune on that kind of a thing if outsourced. And then you have a couple that goes on an international assignment, and they go into a community. Let's just say it's a senior level, maybe a country manager or someone important rather than just a technical problem solution assignment. Mm -hmm. 
Well, they're all important, but that is more rank. So they are the walking brand, aren't they, of the company? Yes. They are the company. Now, what kind of training, professional counseling is given to the international assignees and family prior to and six months into their assignment? They are the brand. um, So some companies have their own training that's kind of proprietary. In terms of the outsource training, there's the pre-departure coaching where you're actually working with the person before they're even leaving to get them ready for the new location. And a lot of companies do have, uh, I'm going to say, even assessments and evaluations as to whether this person might have the wherewithal to be able to satisfactorily or successfully be relocated. So I think they are taking a lot of steps to prepare them in that way, because that can be so important for the company to present that face to the public. And I can say that I know of a situation where it was actually a governmental agency of a country. So relocating someone as a consul And so the spouse, the relocating spouse, had to be ready to play that role because the consul is not just the consul. They might have dinners and festivities and all kinds of events where the spouse has to attend and be a part of it. So there was some thorough training and investigation going on with that couple before they went through this process. So I think that it's a very important aspect of it that companies will handle on their own, or in this case, a governmental agency will handle it. And then they'll additionally sign on for extra services for that individual once they arrive in the location. So let me ask you, and as we get close to the end here, it's really uh, enjoying this smart conversation. Thank you. What do you see happening with the U.S. as an international? Mm -hmm. This is not Mm -hmm. political. But from a business point of view, you have Chinese companies coming on strong. You have companies from all over the world who are in the U.S. now. I've often been involved with international companies setting up offices here in the U.S. It's a part of my skill set, certainly. But I've also been involved with companies who are international companies sending folks to the U.S., And some of those folks nowadays, because of all the talk of aliens and whatever, they're a little bit frightened because they're afraid of how they may be perceived by the general public. And it does give them pause. They're a little bit nervous as they're filing for, they're allowed to get, let's say, a job in the U.S. The spouse would have an L1 visa, so the relocating spouse would have an L2 visa. They're allowed to get employment in the U.S., But we have to come up with a way that they can say this on their resume because they're going to get questioned about it. And it can be rather uh, delicate, I have to say, uh, nowadays, given the environment is running a little bit counter to folks coming into the U.S. And that takes also some skill on the part of the relocated individual to be able to meet the questions that are being asked or present the proper credentials and uh, not always an easy thing. But the one good news is that we've got a great market and people are getting jobs. So (laughs) at least that part seems to be quite positive. We're talking with Mary Lou Ponzi K, MPK Associates. And as you could tell, she's an expert in assisting with companies' people strategy 
and analysis and employee satisfaction and productivity. What did I leave out? Culture, global mindset. (laughs) How does a company grow global mindset for its people? Well, I think that that's going to come from the senior leadership. They have to embrace that as this is the way that we're going to grow as a company. And they have to make sure that everyone knows that, that that message goes all the way down to the rank and file. That's a very important thing for a company to embrace. So how can people get your book? They can go to Amazon.com and buy it right there in print. And the name of it again? Powering Up Your Inner Brand. And your website is what? www.mpkassociates.com. Great. Mary Lou, thanks very much for being our guest today on globalradiotalkshow.com, broadcast service of Global HR News. And I thank you so much. It's been enlightening and actually a wonderful education on some very sensitive topics. Well, thank you so much, Ed. It was a pleasure to be here. Okay, thank you. This is Ed Cohen signing off from San Diego, and that was Mary Lou signing off from Tampa, Florida. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I think to myself, what a wonderful day.